Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. Okay, guys, we have a very exciting guest today talking all things career and most importantly, maternity leave. So Lauren McGoodwin is the founder of Career Contessa. If you're not familiar with it, Career Contessa is an online career website. So they have job postings, career coaching courses to teach you like real skills for your job. Um, and essentially um, just helping us all get hired, get paid and get ahead in work. So Lauren is also the author of Power Moves, How Women Can Pivot, Reboot and Build a Career of Purpose. So Lauren, thank you so much for coming. Hi, thanks for having me. And I should have said to you, you're my friend. You're actually kind of like my, you're like my business muse. Like if I have questions <laughs> about being an entrepreneur, you are the first person I go to because you know all the things. Well, these, You've been doing these it are important people to have in your life. I was very fortunate to have that when I started out in my business. And what's scary is like when you become that for other people. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I've been on both sides too. It is, but it's also kind of rewarding. It's like, I remember thinking that when I left theory, there was someone at theory who was like that for me. When I went to Ralph Lauren, I became it for someone and it was really cool. It's like, you're kind of, you're passing it on, right? You're paying it forward. Yes. Paying um, it forward. So. Exactly. <laughs> Lucky to have you in all the ways. Um, so we want to talk about maternity leave because I think this is a pretty universal topic for moms, for women. Um, and not only do you have all of the like career expertise, but you're also an entrepreneur who has kids. You've gone on maternity leave before. Um, so maybe give us, I guess, first, like a little background on what Career Contessa does. So for anybody that this specific topic is not relevant for, they know the services and kind of what you guys do. Um, and then we can dive into it. Absolutely. So Career Contessa is an online career resource for women. Um, we launched in 2013. And the reason why that's important to note is when we launched, there was no lean in, girl boss, uh, equal pay day wasn't even really a thing people talked about. If they did, they absolutely did not know what it meant. Um, this was before anything related to equity and definitely nothing related to working moms in the workplace. So I started it in 2013. I was um, a recruiter at Hulu. And before that, I had gone through this like horrendous job search of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And when I landed on the other side of the hiring table, that's when I realized like, oh, this is the real way that people get jobs, not not this way that we were taught like our college career center. Um, so it started more right. job search oriented. But then as you can imagine, people find jobs and then they need to be successful in the jobs. And there really aren't a lot of resources that talk to you once you're in a job about how to be successful there. Usually you, you go to a mentor, you go to a boss. Well, we all know that those were less prevalent for women. So career contest, I know right. the hits just keep on coming. So for career contest, <laughs> I, I, I launched it as a place of sort of this like overall home base of how can we um, talk about job searching? How can we talk about how to ask for a raise or get what you want at work? What are the important things to keep keep in mind. And then over time, our resources grew based on what people needed. So when people wanted personalized help, we launched career coaching. When people needed um, access to salary data because they wanted to ask for a raise, we launched a salary database. Mm -hmm. So over time, we've done all that. I wrote a book um, in 2020, um, which was really interesting, trying to promote a book in the middle of a pandemic. And then I also have a podcast called oh my Career Contessa. So just your home base for everything related to your career, whether it's that job search growing in your career or managing one of those like very difficult specific times in your career. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I wish I had known about it when I was in the corporate world because it is there's just so many 
there's so many moments when you need advice and like, yeah, you're right. You go to, well, if, sometimes you can't go to your boss. Right. But it's like, you're going to like your friend who's a little bit older, who's like been at the company longer. And like, yeah, you're, you were just like taking me back as you were talking about like all the times I was like in a conference room with someone being like, what are we going to do? Like, da, 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 da. Yeah. I think there's going to be layoffs. Like I, you know, I'm working more than they're pay. They're not paying me enough. Like whatever. It's crazy. So, okay. So you started it in 2013. So you have now two children. So how did yes. both like your, it's sort of, sort of important details. Um, how did that change both like what you offered within Career Contessa and maybe what people then became interested in knowing that that was something you have, were living through? Um, and how did it also change your just like perception of being a woman in the workforce and like everything that comes with that shift of becoming a mom and a working mom? Yeah, I will say I'm not proud of it, but something that absolutely I realized once I became a mom is when I was working back in corporate, I remember someone got pregnant on our team and she shared. And I remember my first reaction, this is at like, I was like a 27 year old being like, ugh, like she's not going to be able to do anything. And like all the terrible bias that you think of when people become pregnant, I had those thoughts. And what's scary about that is at the time I was really interested in career development and like, I still had those thoughts. So when I had kids and I started to live, you know, you can't really understand what it's like to be a working mom until you are a working mom. But I will say I yep. deeply regret some of my, my opinions before um, about like, why can't you stay for a 5 PM happy hour? Or like, why can't you make it to a 9 AM meeting when you live on the other side of town and you have to do daycare drop off. So, um, I will say since having kids, my viewpoint on a lot of things has changed. I, I think once I started getting deeper into career contestant, I was interviewing more moms and talking to them. It was already starting to change. But I really think that being a working parent, nothing prepares you quite for it except for the reality of being a working parent. As far as Career Contessa, we've obviously added more content related to working parents because our audience has grown also. You know, we've been around for a decade and people who have been following us for a decade in their career, they're more senior in their career. They probably have kids or they're thinking about having kids. Sure. Um, and so it's important that we also have resources for them. Um, the other thing about being a working parent that has been really interesting just in this time that I became a working parent is we went through COVID and now this like post COVID, you know, uh, time of, is it hybrid work? Is it remote work? Where, where are you going to work? What kind of work are you going to do? Um, what's the flexibility like? I mean, some of these questions sadly weren't even realities before, but now they very much are realities and with more choices, yeah. um, sometimes, um, different challenges for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's so interesting. Yeah. And you like, it was funny as you were saying that too, I was thinking, about my experiences and you do, you sort of look back. I mean, this is a part of like growing and evolving, right? Is like, you look back on your past self and you're like, you were kind of an a-hole. Yeah. But I remember yeah. having those thoughts too. And like, I didn't verbalize them, but same thing. It was like, you know, somebody would like have a baby and, you, and again, I'm also somebody, I'm like an empathetic kind person. I also always loved babies and children. So I wasn't like, Oh, like, you know, some people I could tell yeah. were like babies. I was like excited when they brought the baby in, but same thing. I was like, Oh, like, and it, you also like you go to it's it's awful because we were like women close to childbearing age. And I still remember like, if a very small ball was dropped in some way, or like something was late, like I would go to like, well, it's probably because she's like hanging out with her kids. And like, you know, she's just like, you just instead of just kind of so just being like, oh, they did it. That was, it's awful. So guys, don't do that. Except no one listening to this. <laughs> Well, is a 26 you know, year old what's interesting is there's research around this maternal wall, which is like bias against working parents, especially working moms, right? Like, 
I, we probably don't even need to go over all of it because everyone listening to this is probably well aware of it. They're probably living it, but sometimes they're, it's just nice to know like you're not crazy like there is maternal bias out there it's called the maternal wall and if you feel like you are going up you know climbing up a very steep mountain with weights literally holding off of you if it feels like that that I understand like I totally understand that because I have felt that way as well yep I think we all have I totally I totally agree um okay so I want to make sure because I like have so many questions for you things I want to ask you and pick your brain, starting with like the full spectrum of maternity leave. So let's start with like child planning, like planning to get pregnant. You think you and your husband or boyfriend, whoever trying your wife, whoever, and like you find out you're pregnant. What, what are we doing if you are in a job that you're planning to stay at? And what are we doing if you are job hunting and like, your recommendations oh. around like when are we telling the boss what what are the ethics and like timelines around that okay well let's start with when do you tell your boss you're pregnant i get this question a lot and i will say this a lot of this advice is sort of going to be it depends because technically you don't have to share your expecting news with your boss until your third trimester and that's because under the mm-hmm. family medical leave act which is called FMLA, you only have to give your employer at least 30 days notice before you head out on leave. That's if you work at a company with at least 50 employees for at least a year, you're probably protected by FMLA. Of course, that doesn't mean that cutting it that close is the best move, right? Like you should give yourself and your team time to prepare for your leave. I can't think of anything more anxiety inducing than letting my boss know 30 days before that I'm going on paternity leave. Um, Can you imagine? Oh my God. No. <laughs> um, I So here's sort of what like I default to based on just sort of my own personal experience, what I would like. I would probably wait through that first trimester because there's a lot of funky things that happen during the first trimester. That's when you can take your PTO, call it sick, that kind of things. Um, if you have a really good relationship with your boss, you might want to let them know I'm pregnant. It's the early days. I'm going to be needing some time off for this and that, it sort of depends. But ideally, right. I like the 20 week mark, because I think you sort of get out of um, some, some of the tough parts of, of pregnancy in the beginning and some of the unknowns. Um, I, I can't think of anything more heartbreaking than having a miscarriage and having told your coworkers and having to relive that, you know, like things like that. So totally. I like the 20 week mark, because a couple reasons. One, um, you're at a better place in your pregnancy. Two, when you do tell your boss, and I always recommend tell your boss first, don't tell your coworkers and everybody. So it's kind of one of those things where by the time you tell your boss, they're like, yeah, obviously. Um, and if you're like, <laughs> by 20 weeks, I'm definitely showing. You might be, but like, no one's going to say, I mean, maybe not. You never know. Like, but like this is, so these are just sort of my default answers. So you don't, you could do it a couple weeks before. But the reason why I like waiting a little bit is that when you let them know, I'm expecting the babies due on this date. And here's the plan I've been thinking of, or, um, and you don't need to go over every single detail in the, the first conversation. That would be like your follow-up conversation of like, I'd love for us both to give some thought into how my maternity leave is going to work out. Um, review if your company has a maternity leave policy, because some of the, that stuff might be answered for you. The other reason mm-hmm. why I like waiting just a little bit is you can say, as you can see, I've been pregnant this, you know, the last 20 weeks and my work hasn't changed. And and I don't anticipate it changing throughout the rest of my pregnancy. I'm still really ambitious. I want to work with you. I want to make sure the team is supported. I want to continue to be a value add and impact player here in the organization. I love kind of setting it up like that and then going back for a round two of, 
okay, our company offers three months of maternity leave. Here's how I was thinking I could take that leave so that the team is supported throughout the time. Um, the other really amazing thing that I would recommend people do while they're on that leave, I've heard this from a couple of friends that have made them feel much better about coming back to the workplace. If you can ask a teammate, if you're really close to a teammate, hey, would you be willing to send me you know, every two weeks, maybe just like an update on how things are going with the team. Not, and not everybody likes this. Some people are like, I want to totally check out. I can't do that. But I've had friends who have said to me, when someone did this at work for them, where every two weeks they sent them sort of while they were on mat leave, here's sort of what's going on at the company. Um, not that you need to respond or you need to do anything. It made them feel still somewhat connected. And then when they went back, it made that transition a little easier. So the whole idea here, just like planning to have a baby is planning for your time off. So is that it goes successfully, right? You're you're planning for some bumps in the road. You're not going to be able to anticipate all of them. But for me, at least having a plan in place would allow me to be like, okay, now I have more flexibility because I have this plan. So right. things don't go according to the plan. I can adjust and adapt as needed. So that's, you know, the, the technical part of it with the FMLA. You know, like I said, it really depends on everybody about when they want to share. Um, I also want to mention not for everyone to just so they know about the right. So there's FMLA, but then there's also the Pregnancy Discrimination Act of 1978. And then if you might remember in June um, of 2023, they passed the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, which is PWFA. Um, and they really protect you against pregnancy discrimination. The former makes it illegal to fire or discriminate against you based on your pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions. And the latter, so the new one, the Pregnancy Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, um, provides you, employers have to provide you what they call reasonable accommodations related to pregnancy and childbirth. So sometimes telling your boss earlier might be in your benefit because you do need a lot of time off because you are having a complicated pregnancy. Um, so it really depends on your pregnancy, right. your body and your unique situation. But I think it's always important to sort of be like, let me start with what does my employee handbook say? Or what are my benefits offer? Um, what am I legally able to have? And you want to check also with your state. And that also will help you just go in more prepared for the conversation. Yeah, totally. I really like that ad the advice, and it's 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 funny when you were saying how you would approach it with your boss. That is what I did, not knowing as a tw I guess I was twenty nine, twenty nine or thirty. Um, but what I did was cry because I felt like, which like this just goes back to everything we were just talking about. I remember feeling like, t and it was a he was a guy. Um, he was wonderful, and like not you know he was a great guy. But I remember like feeling like I was quitting but I wasn't. Yeah. And I remember being almost like defensive. And I remember being like, Eric, I'm, I'm pregnant. And he was like, Oh, my God, like getting excited. And I was like, and I just want you to know, like, I still love my job. And I, I'm not leaving. And like, of course, I, I did leave, but because we moved not because I had a baby. But yeah, was, I remember being like, very defensive of like, I can still I'm still gonna be here. Like, please don't like hate me. like, I, I didn't want to be hated for being pregnant, um, which is kind of crazy. But that's where we are. Um, so I that actually also Sorry, you tell me what. No, I was going to say, I, I understand the exact feeling of having like almost like this guilt, like you went out and did this, like this thing you weren't supposed yeah. to do. Like you broke the rules. You're like, I'm so yeah. sorry I got pregnant. <laughs> yeah, like I did something sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Which is wild. Yeah. Um, but you inspired another question, which was, so with those, with the new law that was just passed and with the existing ones, like, how does that play in? Because I know I've had a, a, several clients, to be honest, who have been laid off while they're pregnant. And I think, you know, this, where we are right now, unfortunately, 
you know, hiring and firing, it's, it's not a great time to be in, in the corporate world, probably. Um, but like, how does that play out? Because I remember being like, uh, very offended on their behalf. I'm like, you're seven months pregnant, yeah. and you just got laid off from like Google, or, you know, it's all these like big companies. And that, yeah. that's so shitty. I think the the best way to describe it is like, it is really shitty. Um, probably legally, there's nothing they can do about it because being laid off is very different than being fired. Um, but it, it, it's right. shitty. It's it's very surprising. It's a shock to the system. It, it really throws you off kind of that foundation of I know who I am and what I'm doing, what my plan is, right? And I think for many ambitious yeah. women who want to maintain their careers and work at the same time or maintain their careers and have children, it's like, it's a terrible thing to happen, right? It really, really throws out like some of your biggest fears of like my career is going to change because I had a kid. A couple of reminders about just layoffs in general. They are not a reflection on you. They are a reflection on the business performance of the company you're working for. And you are not in charge of micro macro economic trends in this country, right? And so um, I, I know how awful it feels. And I know how awful the job market is right now where we're, I mean, I, I saw a post today on LinkedIn where this woman was like, it's inhumane. I've never seen a job market like this. And so I have wow. so much empathy for people who are job searching right now. But I also just want to remind you, this is not a reflection on you and your self-worth. Um, it is not a reflection on you having a kid and then deciding like, oh, you're worthless at all. It, it's purely a, a business call. And it's it's one of those important reminders also for me where I say to people, I'm like, okay, if you were laid off while you're pregnant and now you have the chance to go work at a company that is very family friendly. And now that gets to be maybe at the top of your priority list where when you were job searching before it wasn't. So um, I'm trying to be very glass half full here for people when I know it's challenging out there. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just, I always want to remind people that laid off part is not a reflection of you, but legally there isn't a whole lot you can do probably about it. Um, especially because like I yeah. said, being fired is very different than being laid off. Totally. And that actually brought up another, another good like segue in this maternity conversation. So in terms of, so we've talked about like telling your boss, ideal timing, kind of that structure when you find out you're pregnant, what if you are either like you've been laid off and you're newly pregnant, like, let's just say for the sake of argument, you're not physically showing yet. So it's not obvious. Um, you know that you're pregnant and you've been laid off or you just are at your current job and it's not the right role for you and you're job hunting. Like what are the ethics and your suggestions around like getting a new job while you know you're going to leave in six months if you got it? Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the PC answer is that you should be able to tell people that you're pregnant and it should not impact their the chances of you getting hired. I'll tell you my real opinion and what I would do, which is I wouldn't tell people right away. I would wait until I have an offer, the offer has been signed, or at least I get to the place where I'm very far along in the interview stage where um, maybe it is something I do want to share with them. I'm feeling like, you know, so this goes both ways. I've heard people say like, well, it's unethical to accept the job offer and then tell them you're pregnant. Sure. But we could also say that there's a lot of bias out there and we're trying to protect ourselves from the bias and the unconscious bias that people have against us. Um, but there is a part where at some point you do need to be able to trust the people you're going to work for for all, so many obvious reasons. So I would wait until you right. get much further down in the interview process where I might then share with them, you know, um, you know, I really excited about this role here, are all the things like I would not just start with I'm pregnant, I would start by reiterating your excitement for the role what their pain points are about the role and why they're hiring it, how you can solve their pain points and let them know I am expecting, you know, a, a child on XYZ date. 
Um, I plan on taking, you know, whatever the maternity leave is that they would offer and then being back in the workplace. Like, you know, at that point, you start to develop far enough along in the interview process where you're maybe close to getting an offer. You are going to start to develop sort of a relationship with the person. Um, And if they decide not to hire you in that time when you have made it all the way to the end, I know this is going to sound terrible, but it's also probably a a red flag that they're not going to support you at all once you are a working parent in that company. So, you know, plain devil's advocate here can be good to to mention it before. But if you wanted to be like as safe, as safe, as safe as possible, you could accept the job and then let them know. Because, again, legally, you don't have to tell them. Um, And also legally, if you do tell them, they're supposed to not hold that against you. I, I that this is such a like it depends on personal choice um conversation also a lot of jobs these days are found via networking so depending on how you found the job maybe they know that about you i actually interviewed a woman on my podcast and yeah. she got a new job when she was eight months pregnant and she talked about the fact that like they were fine with it and they basically told her like that's okay we'd rather you start and like want that amazing talent so for me, I hear stories like that. Totally. And I'm very hopeful. And I'm like hopeful about companies supporting women and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of my PC advice, but also like probably what I would do. It depends on who I'm interviewing with, but I would probably wait till at least I'm in those like final stages. Yeah, totally. And I think to your, I was actually thinking as you said that, that, you know, like, I mean, I'm a very tiny company. So somebody, me hiring someone at eight months pregnant and then them being gone a month later would be interesting. But I, if I was at like one of the companies I'd worked with in the past, like to me, it would almost be a green flag that somebody was actively pregnant and was like out here interviewing and like was looking for a new role. Like this is somebody who's committed to our industry or to their, you know, what they're doing. It'd almost be like a good thing to me that they were like that invested in kind of growing their career and whatever. Um, and I think part of it probably would depend on the type of company, right? If, if it's like a brand that's in pre-launch stage and they're launching in six months, like it would be kind of shitty to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to help you build this thing. But actually during launch time, I'll be gone. Yeah. So sorry. You know, like it's going to depend right a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's such a personal decision based on the industry you're going for, the type of role you're going for. Um, yeah. If you were going to go work in an early stage startup and you're a team of one, you know, I might ask you, is that the right role for you? Do you want to do you want to do that role this year with <laughs> with other things? You know, like um, right. I think a lot of that too. When you're job searching and you know that you want to expand your family or you want to have kids, it's it's being really thoughtful about where are you going to interview, um, what companies are you going to target. You know, it's funny. The old way of job searching was like create a resume, apply for jobs online, wait for someone to call you. Today, it's like create a list of target companies, network with the people within those target companies, um, identify really specific roles that you want, tailor your resume, um, build your personal brand. Like it's it's not like one step. So a big part of this that we're talking about, it sounds like it would be like the whole grand scheme of your like it would really stand out in your strategy, but it's going to be worked into your strategy most likely because job searchers are never just create a resume and wait for someone to come get you. Exactly. Good point. And I think we're also remembering here too, that like the, a woman who's typically doing this is someone who is at least at like a mid level, probably in their industry. And as women are waiting longer and longer to start their families, like we're talking about women in their like mid or late thirties, potentially who are like very established. They have their connections and network. Like they have the, the target companies that they'd be going for. And to your point, like people might already know they're pregnant and it's like, this is, it's okay. Right. It's not always going to be 
the 28 year old first time. Well, it's even better if you're going for a company or interviewing with someone who has been in your shoes before, right? We talked about this earlier in the show, Mm -hmm. like we weren't in those shoes before. So we probably, we probably wouldn't have been the best advocates for you in an interview. Um, But 35 year old us is a much better advocate for you. So, you know, hopefully too, you are also interviewing for people. And I think this is actually a telltale sign. Like, are you interviewing for a team that has families or is it a team of all 25 mm-hmm. year olds who do not have families and yes. life, you know, their, their life is their work. Um, and so that's a big thing. I, I talked to a friend the other day, she works at a big company and she, the first thing she said, she's like, I love working here. It's very family friendly. That does exist. Yeah. It absolutely exists. And so like for me in my job search, I would try to target those companies um, like specifically. Yes, totally. And I will say that, What's fascinating though is like what I just described of like my anxiety telling my boss at Birchbox that I was pregnant and I was very established in the company. I was doing well. Like I'd been promoted recently and it was super family friendly. Like both of our founders, I don't actually know if Haley had, no, she didn't have a baby yet, but Katya, our other founder, she had twins and she would bring them into the office sometimes. And all of, I think almost all of the executives, men or women had kids and they would sometimes come in and it was, it was definitely like clear to me that it was like a warm, welcoming environment for parents and that parents would be supported and not ostracized. And I still had that feeling. So it just goes to show like how important it is almost to like seek that out. I think if there was, there's no one listening to this who's like 23, but if they were like, I actually remember thinking about that in jobs, like thinking about if I got pregnant, like once I was married and it was like, you know, I was thinking it might happen that that mattered. I was like, I wonder how much time I get off. Like what's normal? Like, are they going to da, 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 da. So. Yeah. You start thinking about like, what is their mat leave policy? Do they offer it? When does it kick in? You know, like I probably want to align my timing closely to some of these things, you know? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, Okay. So that is all really helpful. So then let's talk about like you're going on maternity leave Um, and your best advice for, you talked a little bit about, about the check in every two weeks. Um, I would have hated that personally. I like, I'm too OCD and ADD that if I knew what was going on, I would have cared a lot. And then I would have, I needed to like, totally check out. But what is your advice for preparing as best as possible for your team, your colleagues to take over things, making the transition like into maternity leave as seamless as possible? Yeah. So the first thing I think that's really important is managing expectations. So when is your mat leave starting and how can you over communicate to that to people? So I um, actually had a woman I worked with who put it in the email signature line like two months before she left. So that like constantly as she was emailing people, they were understanding I will be on mat leave starting this time. So if you needed something from her, you were aware it was not nobody was surprised when she went on mat leave. We all knew it wasn't like, especially sometimes in big companies, you're like, Oh my God, so-and-so was pregnant. I never met them in person. I didn't even know that. Right. right. Um, Totally. You know, so she over communicated. And I think that was really important and also managing expectations. So to your point, I will not be answering emails at all. Do not contact me. I'm not interested in it. Then there's a person who's like, contact me if there's an emergency. Then there's the person who's like, I would love to stay in the loop. Um, and I can read these while I'm breastfeeding in the middle of the night. So send me a weekly email about stuff. All depends on your role, all depends on your relationship with the people you work with, etc. Um, but I think having a plan in place of this is when I'm going to go on leave. This is my communication expectation while I'm on leave. Um, and then also, what's your 
you know, ideally you are handing things off way before you go on leave. So you, you know, if you're going on leave at the end of the month, then starting that month, how can you slowly start transitioning things over to people? So they're doing it while you're still there. I'm a big fan of also creating loom tutorials. So loom is this tool Mm, where you can record yourself doing things and then you can share those video tutorials with people. Um, at least for me, when I went on that leave for career contessa, I, recorded looms for everything I did. Everyone was assigned um, who was taking what part of my job. So it was really open, again, very clear communication, clear expectations of what I expect you to do while I'm gone. And then also here's all the loom tutorials of what I do in case you need it. So I tried to leave them with everything they need. It's like, well, this is a bad example, but I was gonna say, it's like having a babysitter come to your house. Like what's all the things they need if something happens, but you haven't had a baby yet. So you might not be aware of what to do with a babysitter. But the point being is setting up those expectations. And then also what's going to be the plan when you come back, this is the date that I'm coming back. I want to come back. You know, some companies allow you to ramp up time. What is that going to look like? How many days a week are you going to be in office? Or maybe you say for the first month that I'm back, I'd like to come back hundred percent virtual and you work these things out ahead of time. I have always been a fan of structure and over communicating ahead of time because when you're about to come back from work and you told them you were going to be in the office and now you've changed your plans and you want to be completely remote, it doesn't send the right signal. So it's like good for you right. to anticipate, um, you know, I'm going to want to ramp up because that's sort of probably my personality or at least communicate that earlier than later in the process. Um, so right. I think a ramp up time is really, really valuable for people, whether that's working dig- you know, virtually uh, for the first month or six weeks, or some people even have sort of like a shorter um, work week when they first come back. So they start back like one day a week, yeah. then two days a week, then th- you know, like, and they gradually work up. Um, it depends on what your company offers. It depends on what you've seen be successful. Employees already, you know, always use them as examples and go to, go to the other parents who have already left in your company or had a maternity leave and ask them what worked, what didn't work, what should I anticipate? Like now, Now's the time to like start networking within your company internally. And like people love to help out with this thing that was probably like, it has a deep emotional tie for them. Oh my gosh. It's yes. Everything you're saying, I just, I feel like I'm repeating myself being like, you made me think of something, but that is so true. There's two women in particular and I still love them and keep in a bit of touch with them at Birchbox who one was like, I think her son was like seven months older than Teddy. So I remember being like, two weeks away from leaving for mat leave. And she put a meeting on my calendar and I went into the conference room and she was pumping and crying and was just like, this sucks. It was like her first day back. And she just like needed somebody else who was like, not going to care about that. And I mean, it was actually, it was very jarring for me, but I was, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> this is what it's going to be like, but it was yeah. like really nice. And then the other girl we actually had the same OB. This is in New York City. She hadn't told anyone she was pregnant yet. And when she saw me, she was filling out her form and she saw me walk out of the office and her face just went like, like oh passion. And I just looked at her and I said, I never saw you. I just walked out. And then later on, she like messaged me on the chat thing being like, thank you. And I was like, yep, yeah, I didn't see you. I don't know what's going on. But it is, it's so nice to have people who are like in it. And then I knew she was pregnant too. And I was only like a month ahead of her. So I was like, how are you feeling? Um, it's <laughs> yeah. so nice to have camaraderie and like people you can connect with about that stuff. Um, and then the other thing I did, I don't know if you think this is a good or a bad idea, but I remember that I made a spreadsheet that was like external outside of my team that anybody like in the company could view that said like very explicitly who was doing everything I did. Yes. So that all the cross-functional partners and it was like editing this, like sign off for this. Cause it was, it was like, 
20 different yes. people because sometimes it was, I was passing it off to the marketing team or whatever. So nobody else who was maybe like very low touch with me, but would email me once a month if there was some like crisis on the website that they were able to like, okay, that's the person who's like editing the pricing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an absolutely like really good idea. Um, I think honestly, it comes back to like managing those expectations. I also remember a friend of mine, she basically created like an internal doc for herself so that when you know, when you leave from Matt leave, it's like three, four, sometimes six months. Like when you go back to work, you're like, what do I do again? Like I feel that way sometimes <laughs> after like a long weekend, you know? So I totally, totally. Really smart. She, she literally like, I don't know if she recorded a video. I think she just like wrote it down. Like, here are the things that you do. Here are the things you've been working on. Here have been like your goals. It was just like a refresher for herself where she was like, future me is going to be so thankful that I did this today because I won't be able to remember anything. The other thing I've heard that's really good advice is like do a trial run before your first day of work of like pumping, you know, your daycare situation, like ideally start those things ahead of time. Like, um, you know, of course, then there's like, if you are going to the office, like pack your outfit or pick your outfit the night before and pack your lunch and like, whatever you can do to make whatever the first week is, whether it's virtually or back in office a little bit easier, you will be so thankful for that. That is such good advice. You're right. Cause it's a whole different ball game. As we now know, getting yourself out the door, like the amount of time yes. I spent like picking out a lipstick shade. I mean, I was also working in like beauty, but I'd be like, Hmm. I'm going to try this new purple one that they gifted us. Like now I'm like, put your shoes on. We're yeah. going to be late. Like it's just a very different thing. So yeah, yeah try, you're, right, so you're not you're frazzled so the first time. day. You're already late. Yeah. Yeah. You're already late the first day back. That's not good. Um, so that's actually, that is a perfect segue into my other, my like next question thought is coming back. So coming back is, can be brutal, right? Whether it's been three, four, six months, whatever it is. Um, your best advice beyond the first day planning, which I love to help ease that transition back to the workforce. I'm a big fan of building in buffer. So like, for example, not putting as many meetings on my calendar or buffering in time, you know, multiple pump breaks, even if I don't need them all. Um, maybe saying my goal is to be at the office by nine 30, but really I, you know, I, I'm really trying to get there at 8.30, but 9.30 allows me to account for everyone being late in the morning. Um, it, again, this really depends on the type of workplace you work in. Um, I remember one of my jobs, it was a very strict 8.30 to 5 place. That's probably one of those conversations where I would have had to have with my boss, like, you know, I'm going to do my absolute best to get here every day at 830. How would you like me to communicate with you if I am running late? Um, should I text you? Do I have a 15 minute buffer? Do I have a 30 minute buffer? Like, and the reason why, again, and I know this is one of the questions that someone sent in, like, it feels terrible to rush into the office and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And having this like, Yes. Overly apologetic nature. And all of a sudden you just turn into the apologizer. Right. And so I would encourage you to, you know, just try to own it as, as best you can and let your boss know and over communicate. Like, look, I have a daycare drop off. I can't control everything that happens there. But, you know, what what would you prefer the protocol to be with my communication if I am running 15 minutes late? I and kind of say to them, like, it does not um, say anything about my dedication to this job. I really like my job. I love being able to come here on, you know, in the office on Tuesdays, but this is the challenge that I'm dealing with and I'm trying to do my best. So what would you like? I think having that up front love is that. like, I can't think of anything 
better as, as, as far as an option because you're not going to be able to control it. Totally. Um, but you can control your reaction to it and you can give your boss the heads up. And then maybe they say, oh, Lauren's running late. It's probably that daycare drop off and not because she's not dedicated to her job and doesn't care. Right. I love that. I, and it's, it kind of goes back to that whole thing that like I personally have been working on and I know so many women do. I really try not to apologize for things yeah. that are like somewhat beyond my control or just like don't require. Right. So like saying like, thank you for your patience. I appreciate you guys hanging on until I got here. Another one of those crazy mornings. And like, it also, it becomes this like self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Where like, if you're constantly apologizing, then you're telling the other person that there was something you needed to apologize for. And therefore, like you're doing something wrong and now they're treating you differently. So you feel even worse and it can become just like a cycle. Um, so I love that. And it also it's it's funny because it's kind of the same thing I tell clients to say to daycares if there are challenges is like come to the table collaboratively, not like you're not keeping them on the nap schedule. Da, da. It's like come and be like, I know you have a lot of kids here. She's struggling at home with X, Y, Z. Like, what can I do to support you guys to make it easier for her? to get to sleep or like whatever it is. Right. It's like, let's be a team. I would also just add to like, don't put crazy expectations on yourself. Like if you know that like we live in Los Angeles, the idea of dropping off at daycare and getting into an office in Santa Monica, it's not going to happen in an hour. You're going to need two hours for that situation. If you live where we live in the South Bay. So don't promise something that you can Um, never do either. So again, it goes back to managing those expectations. I think it's a really important place to start with all of this um, and then work collaboratively. Yes. Totally. Okay. This has been so helpful. I have one last thing I want to cover because there may be people listening to this who it's really struck a chord, what we said at the beginning about how differently we treated expecting women and moms in the workforce and even dads in the workforce who are taking parental leave. So what's the best advice you have for all of us who are not pregnant? managing coworkers, subordinates, bosses who are expecting or are on maternity leave to just like support them and make them make it an easier experience. I I say have some deep empathy for them if you can. I think leading with empathy is something that world could use more of. Um and also I would say don't ignore it. Um I can remember us like just treating this woman like she was not having this life changing altering thing happening in her life and I think looking back I'm like that was terrible. I think it would have been important for me um if my manager had asked me in our meetings like on a scale of 1 to 10 how are you feeling? On a scale of 1 to 10 um you know what what are your biggest challenges right now? Like almost having this like EQ, like emotional intelligent type check-in with the person without ignoring it. So yeah. it doesn't need to become your life because I understand at work, you're not trying to talk about your baby all the time because you're, maybe you're trying to kind of keep that professionalism, but also not ignoring it either. And I think one of the best things that managers or people managing people who can do is like, let that be part of the conversation and not ask the person to leave their human at work. You know, like we bring our whole selves right. to work. I, I just saw on LinkedIn, authentic is the word of the year. Okay, then let people be authentic at work. But, you know, right. they're waiting for you to kind of give them the green light to be able to to probably talk about that and have it be brought up in the conversation. I love that. That's so true. And like, we don't need to touch anyone's tummy, to be clear. We don't need to say yes. that they, are they having twins? Or wow, you look really big or anything like that. But we can say like, Christine, do you want the chair? Like yes. when other people are standing, yeah. like we can, we can acknowledge, we can ask for how we're doing. I love that. That's great. And loving the snooze button. 
Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it, so make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.